Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. Glad you're along for the ride. It's Tuesday, February 2nd, 2021. It's Groundhog Day. Punxsutawney Phil has made his annual appearance, his verdict. Six more weeks of winter. Sorry, folks. Of course, for conservatives, Phil also has some more bad news. Four more years of the Biden administration. Uh, One of the top conservatives in the country, Dinesh D'Souza, will be with us in a moment to discuss that. Among the big stories we will discuss, President Trump and his upcoming impeachment trial. Democrat House managers have released their case against the former president. We're going to read you what they have to say. Also, immigration executive orders are about to drop later this afternoon as the Biden administration begins to reverse nearly everything the Trump administration did on the immigration issue. The border wall construction stopped. Now Trump's remain in Mexico policy also about to come to an end. And later, Big Tech claims another victim. This time, they set their sights on one of the top Christian organizations in the country. We have got that story. But first, the upcoming impeachment trial. Let's put aside the fact for a moment that it seems wholly unconstitutional to remove a former president who is no longer in office. But anyhow, here's the case Democrat impeachment managers are making. Their official impeachment memoranda is out today. This is the case they're going to argue, quote, His conduct endangered the life of every single member of Congress, jeopardized the peaceful transition of power and line of succession, and compromised our national security. They go on to say this is precisely the sort of constitutional offense that warrants disqualification from federal office. And they wrap up by saying the only honorable path at that that point was for President Trump to accept the results and concede his electoral defeat. Instead, he summoned a mob to Washington, exhorted them into a frenzy, and aim them like a loaded cannon down Pennsylvania Avenue. We're going to talk about the Trump response to that in a moment. First, we want to get to Dinesh D'Souza, best-selling author, filmmaker, and host of the Dinesh D'Souza podcast all across the country. Here's my conversation earlier with Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh D'Souza, great to see you again. Really appreciate you being here on the water cooler. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Uh, Dinesh, uh, Democrats are out, as you might imagine, with the scathing impeachment uh, trial strategy saying that Donald Trump basically loaded up like a loaded cannon at at the U.S. Capitol in terms of all of the House members there. What do you make of some of this news today? Well, um, other than the fact that there was no incitement and no genuine insurrection, I guess they have a point. Uh, (laughs) The thing about um, about incitement um, you know, I was just reading, actually, uh, Julius Caesar, where Mark Anthony does incitement. He incites the crowd to sort of uh, seditious action, but he plans it. That's the first step. The second thing is there's incitement language in his speech, the famous Mark Anthony oration. And third, after the crowd goes wild, he celebrates. He goes, yeah, look at them. They're doing, my, they're doing their mischief. So with Trump, you have none of these elements. No planning. He didn't actually have any words of incitement. He never said, go take the Capitol. It was political boilerplate language. And finally, there's no sense that he was excited about what happened and felt it was a triumphant 
result of what he did. In fact, he goes out there and starts telling people to go home. Yeah, Dinesh, what's the end game here for Democrats? I mean, look, they, they thought at one point maybe they could get 67 votes. They're not going to get 67 Republicans. So, so what's, what's the point of it? It feels so futile, not to mention unconstitutional. I think it is all of those things, uh, but I think it shows two things. One is that the, the level of vengeance, it's a little bit like the guy who sort of, you know, uh, wants to stomp on somebody's grave. It's the, that they can't stop themselves. Their, their level of anger is so high. The second thing is they're hoping in some way to keep Trump off the 2024 ticket. Now, it's really interesting that they're so scared of that because that means that they think he has a prospect of winning, even though he'll be four years older. One might think he wouldn't want to do it, but nevertheless, the Democrats think he might want to do it. Let's launch a preemptive strike against that possibility. Yeah. Dinesh, let me uh, switch gears a little bit to talk about January 6th to a degree as it relates to the Capitol Hill security and what's going on. So let me get this straight. Democrats are not big in defenses unless they're protecting themselves up there at the Capitol. Well, this is so telling, isn't it? I mean, the images on the one hand of them suspending the border wall around the country's border. Meanwhile, massive walls and fences and armed security going up around the Capitol and all over D.C. So what does that tell you? First, that the political class is more interested in protecting themselves than they are in protecting the American people. And the second thing is that they see a bigger danger coming from their fellow Americans, including, by the way, Republicans in Congress. I mean, imagine AOC, AOC saying things like, oh, Ted Cruz wants to murder me. I'm in fear for my life. So these guys actually fear the American people far more than they fear MS-13 gang members and drug smugglers coming and pouring across the border. It gives you a real sense of where their priorities lie. Dinesh, speaking about the border, uh, Joe Biden uh, is set to uh, introduce immigration executive orders. Here we go again. The pen is uh, hot and heavy, if you will. Uh, and, and that's going to happen again. Already he stopped construction at the border wall. We understand he's going to, in essence, review, whatever that means, review uh, the Remain in Mexico uh, policy that the Trump administration put in place. What, what do you make of what uh, Joe Biden is doing on the immigration front? Well, I think it's part of a, um, a scheme by Democrats on all fronts to try to um, ensure that they don't really have to contest another election. Uh, the Democrats don't really care about um, the immigrants themselves. A very good test of this is let's just do a thought experiment and imagine that 90 percent of the new coming immigrants would automatically vote Republican. The, they would put the wall up so quickly that uh, you wouldn't even be able to blink. Uh, and it would be a giant wall, bigger than the one in, in uh, Washington, D.C. Um, so their interest in the immigrants is as potential dependents, potential unemployed, potential people that can be recruited into their kind of victimology camp. Uh, and uh, so this is one way to go about it. And I think that explains their fanaticism on this on this issue. And then, therefore, that's one way, but there are other ways, which is this big amnesty bill that Joe Biden wants to do. I mean, I, I can't imagine that's going to be uh, passed with any sort of Republican support. I wonder somehow, can they somehow get immigration done on budget reconciliation? They, they can find a lot of creative ways to get things done. I don't think they're going to get this one done. And the reason for it is there's actually fairly strong entrenched Democratic opposition to it. Yeah. Uh, in other words, there's no unanimity in, on immigration in either party. The lines kind of run in between the parties, uh, not just between the parties, but inside the parties themselves. And so I think the bottom line of it is, particularly with the very close razor thin margin in the House 
and really almost no margin in the Senate, uh, this is not something that's going to be easy to do at all, particularly if you make it sort of... Now, it's one thing if you did modest immigration, things like, let's let in some skilled people, you know, uh, and uh, on a modification of the H-1B, that, that, that kind of stuff might go through. But the idea of some comprehensive immigration reform, I, I don't see it. Dinesh, I want to turn to the Republican Party, the future of the Republican Party. Kevin McCarthy is in an interesting position, especially with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. On one hand, you've got Liz Cheney. On the other, and Senator Mitch McConnell now, in essence, coming out in support of Liz Cheney and taking the unprecedented step of uh, criticizing a House member, uh, putting McCarthy in a tough spot with, her, with his criticisms, calling Marjorie Taylor Greene's comments a cancer on the Republican Party. What, what do you make of what's happening with Marjorie Taylor or Marjorie Taylor Greene here? Well, I'm actually going to have Marjorie on my podcast tomorrow to hit back against this stuff. And the reason I, I want her on is because, you know, look, she strikes me as an ordinary American woman who's been successful and gotten herself to Congress. And look, she has no more extreme views on the right than all kinds of people on the left. Look at Maxine Waters. Look at people all over the place in the Democratic Party. They say crazy stuff and they're not held accountable. When no one goes to Chuck Schumer and, and, and Pelosi and goes, repudiate this person, repudiate that person. It's only on the Republican side that we have this kind of mania for repudiating people and somehow does as if to say the Republican Party is some pure type of gin that has to be kept uncontaminated by any kind of baser element. Yeah, and I remember when uh, Ilan Omar had her comments, uh, the anti-Israel comments, the dual loyalty comments. I mean, all, de all Democrats could muster was some sort of House resolution watered down about, you know, all, so all sorts of Islamophobia stuff as well. I mean, it was just a hodgepodge of nonsense. Exactly. So this is where the media comes in. They don't hound the Democrats, but they hound the Republicans. What do you think about Marjorie Taylor's view on space lasers that she talked about 10 years ago? What do you think she's, a, you know, and so what happens is a guy like McConnell and a guy like McCarthy feels, well, I've got to weigh in on this. No, you actually don't. You should. The answer is ask Marjorie uh, and uh, we're going to see what she does in Congress. She's a new member. So this idea of all ganging up on her, I mean, I just find it offensive. And so I'm going to give her a podium on the podcast to say her piece and hit back at some of these guys, because I think uh, I, I think it's this is this is a piling on that I'm not really very happy with. As we wrap up here, Dinesh, uh, where's the backbone of the Republican Party today from a traditional standpoint? I mean, you've got I, I mean, you, you've seen that like a, you have a divergent Republican Party here and they've got to figure this thing out. Yeah, the Republican Party needs to realize that, uh, look, it needs the Trump MAGA Republicans uh, and just as the Trumpsters need the Republican Party. I mean, in my view, you actually need both. And even though there are lots of temperamental and stylistic differences, Trump sort of ex uh, exacerbated that temperamental divide. Bottom line of it is that in values, the two camps are very close. They both believe in the same type of foreign policy. They by and large believe in, in free markets and, and capitalism. They believe in law and order and traditional values. So there's absolutely no reason that these divisions can't be healed. But they have to be healed on a fair and mutual uh, 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 basis of mutual respect. Dinesh D'Souza, always great to catch up with you. Tell people where they can uh, check out your podcast. It's, it's making waves across the country. It's really fun for me to do. It brings out my personality and my range of ideas. Uh, on audio, you can get it on Apple or Spotify. Those are probably the two most common platforms. And on video, it's every day up on YouTube. It's also up on the video platform Rumble, which I love. Uh, so if you want to watch it, go to Rumble or YouTube. And if you want to listen to it, 
Apple and Spotify are two good places to find it. Dinesh D'Souza, really pre a real, real pleasure. You uh, Rumble's perfect for you because you like to rumble with some good ideas out there. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, Dinesh D'Souza, uh, patriot in this country for sure. All right, when we come back, more on immigration. Manny Miranda, the former legal counsel to Senate Majority Leader Bill Frist, back in a moment. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, Joe Biden may be president, but uh, Donald Trump always in the news. And we mentioned Donald Trump at the top of the show with Dinesh D'Souza, uh, specifically talking about how Democrat House impeachment managers are out with their case that they're going to present at the trial uh, next week, at least at this point. Now, Donald Trump is now out with his lawyer's statement. Let's put that up. Uh, this is part of it. Uh, this is what uh, the lawyers are saying in response. It is admitted that after the November election, the 45th president exercised his First Amendment right under the Constitution to express his belief that the election results were suspect, since with very few exceptions, under the convenient guise of COVID-19 pandemic safeguards, states' election laws and procedures were changed by local politicians or judges without the necessary approvals from state legislatures. Insufficient evidence exists upon which a reasonable jurist could, could conclude that the 45th president's statements were accurate or not, and he therefore denies they were false. And so that is part of the argument by President Trump's, or excuse me, former President Trump's lawyers. They're also going to argue that it's unconstitutional to even impeach a former president because this just in... How can you impeach someone that's already been removed or has already left office? Anyhow, let's uh, talk about that, but also more on immigration reform with uh, Manuel Miranda, the former legal counsel and immigration counsel to Majority Leader Bill Frist. Uh, Manuel, great to have you back on the show, sir. Good to be with you and uh, all your listeners and viewers. Well, they want to hear from you about what you make of the Trump argument, uh, in essence, uh, regarding his impeachment trial, it's going to ha it seems like it's going to happen next week. W w what's your take from a legal perspective about what's happening here, Manny? Well, if I were him, I wouldn't even respond. Let them make their case and have no response. Send them a letter, which is what the previous person who was re uh, impeached out of office did. He sent them a letter, said, I'm out of office. And the Senate agreed. So I wouldn't uh, I might have uh, I might have gone that way. Uh, however, if he's going to make this argument, it's a fair argument to make a president or anyone does not lose their First Amendment rights to say, express their opinions as they please. And that's what he did here. Um, there are other, uh, the constitutionality argument is a good argument, it's a strong argument. And then, of course, the fact that he said, go up there and do so peaceably uh, as one of his last sentences is an important uh, defense. At the end of the day, I think he has the sense that He's not going to be uh, convicted, uh, and he's certainly not going to be removed because he's already no longer president. So it's, it's a fair point to use this opportunity to make his case again. We all know what his case is. We've all heard it, and the Democrats invited him to make it again. Yeah. Manny, I want— might say they're bad. 
<laughs> right. Manny, uh, let's move on to some of today's developments. Uh, later this afternoon, uh, President Biden will have a couple of more immigration uh, orders. Eventually, they're going to unveil this big sweeping legislation uh, regarding amnesty, but we won't talk about that for now. These, uh, these orders are interesting. One of them at least seems like he's going to review this remain in Mexico policy that President Trump had put forward. What, what's your take on what the Biden administration is doing here? Yeah, that is actually a good sign. It's a sign that they listen. What has happened in that situation is that folks on the ground, folks in the department on the border have said, please don't get rid of what President Trump put in place immediately. And so what they did is to respond with an executive order setting up a commission to study all of President uh, the Trump administration's various actions on the border. And uh, that is a, a good idea because there are already 60,000 people gathered on the border w waiting to see if uh, the Biden administration lifts the Trump orders. And... Uh, and they played, a, they played a good card. They have nine executive orders so far on immigration, three today. And this one was a good sign, a sign that they're going to uh, listen and listen to the experts. Are they concerned about a major influx? Is that, is that the issue? They're concerned about they're going to have a crisis on their hands with caravan after caravan? Well, if they are not concerned, they are foolish. You know, you may, may remember that when President Obama first um, employed the DACA executive order, he basically gave a sign to folks south of the border to send their children and teenagers. And children and teenagers gathered at the border and crossed the border in a large number because they completely misunderstood uh, what President Obama had done. Now, there are 60,000 people already on the border waiting under the asylum rule to claim asylum or apply for asylum. And there's another uh, caravan, enormous caravan, coming up through Mexico now. So they've got a real crisis on their hand, and they have to be careful what they do and what signals they send. Mandy, what's the politics of this? I mean, is immigration a chance at potential unity here? I'm not talking about uh, an actual big sweeping bill. I mean, I think everybody's kind of entrenched, but it does seem like there, there is there any wiggle room in the middle where, you know, both sides can maybe come together on something a little bit more common sense here, because the dem there, there are perils for Democrats if they, if they unwind everything and, and make this death by a thousand paper cuts on immigration. There really is an opportunity to go to the middle and do the right thing for the nation. Both sides can compromise. There is an enormous area here to compromise. And uh, the problem that we have always had is that it has always been true that immigration is, what, is basically local. And most congressional districts in this country don't have an illegal immigration problem. And therefore, their Congress people that they send up here don't see this as an urgency. So they play into national politics, partisan politics, when they really should be thinking about the, the nation as a whole. And that's true for the Democrats. That's true for the Republicans. Really, about 30 congressional districts in this country are significantly impacted by uh, undocumented aliens, illegal immigration, and so forth. The rest of them could sort of take this issue or leave it, and that's a problem. We have got to nationalize this issue for everybody and bring a solution, because illegal immigration is a human tragedy. It breaks up the family in the home countries. It breaks up families in this country. It causes all kinds of targeting of individuals for violations, 
criminality. Uh, it, of course, helps the drug industry and, of course, human trafficking for sexual exploits. So yeah. all kinds of reasons to end this and do the right thing. And really, Republicans have to let go a little bit and Democrats have to let go a little bit. And perhaps this is the beginning showing that perhaps the Trump administration didn't do everything wrong. President yeah. Biden has perhaps indicated a willingness. Manuel Miranda, great insight, former counsel on immigration and all, le all things legal to Majority Leader Frist. Uh, hope, hope you'll come back on and talk about the way forward from here. Really appreciate it. You bet, David. Good luck. All right, Manuel Miranda, a great insight. Known uh, Manuel for a very long time. Uh, we're back in a moment with Nathan Gonzalez about the elections. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. We mentioned uh, how Joe Biden has to he has a decision in front of him. I mean, is he going to take the offer from these GOP senators uh, basically saying, hey, look, let's get 60 votes in the Senate and come to a smaller bill on covid stimulus uh, relief? Or is he going to go for the whole big one point nine trillion dollar enchilada and say, you know what, we'll go with Democrats and pass it with 50 on budget reconciliation? It's a little bit more complicated than that. But let's uh, talk about that in the power center in Congress with the uh, Nathan Gonzalez, editor of Inside Elections, and back with us on the show. Nathan, good to see you, sir. Thank you for having me. Well, Nathan, what, what do you make of some of the negotiations here? Because the, the power center, we always talk about that power center. I mean, you got Manchin and John Tester and Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins. I can go on. Uh, this is going to be interesting to see what Biden does here in terms of going with the Republicans that want to make a deal or go all in with the Democrats. Yeah, and, and I would add, you know, uh, Arizona's senators, uh, Kirsten Cinema and Mark Kelly to that mix as well. Yep. I thought we saw a little bit of a change of approach, at least with President Biden, when he invited those Republican senators uh, to the White House and, you know, a couple hour meeting. Uh, so that was a little bit different. But in the end, it feels like this is going to be passed uh, the larger bill uh, with reconciliation now that uh, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin has has basically said that, you know, he's he's not going to. He doesn't want to see it stall uh, to stall out. So uh, that's that's where I'm I'm guessing that this is this is headed. Right. And so once again, this would be at this point. I mean, the way I see from an ana analysis standpoint, uh, somewhat of a missed opportunity for Biden. He talked about unity. He had unity right in front of him in the Oval Office yesterday. Uh, and, and I get it. You control three branches of government. If you have the votes, you, you cram it through. But that's not what he campaigned on, Nathan. Yeah, I, I, when I heard uh, Joe Biden talk about unity, I didn't see it as he's going to start adopting Republican policies or really moving that far to the right. I think it was that he is not going to be antagonistic, that he's not going to come out you know, every day and, and kind of antagonize Republicans. Uh, but in the end, this is a, I think he believes that you know our country is in crisis. This is uh, assistance that 
uh, Americans need and that he he believes the Democrats have the right path forward and he's going to go for it. Now, ultimately, uh, you know, both the, he's not going to President Biden won't be on the ballot in the midterm elections, but we'll, we'll see how voters react to either the result of the stimulus package or react to the lack of bipartisanship uh, in, in this particular bill. But I think in, in the end, these elections, the upcoming elections are going to be decided on how do people feel? Do they feel like they're in a better place you know, then than what they are right now. Well, you mentioned upcoming elections. I want to talk about Rob Portman in Ohio, the senator there who's deciding not to uh, run again. What do you make of some of these retirement? You wrote about this, uh, how much we should read into to some of these GOP or, or even Democrat retirements. And, and sometimes we you, we miss the, the the real story here. It's not so much about that. Why don't you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, well, whenever senators announce they're not running for re-election, the immediate uh, response or the immediate narrative is that, you know, they are they're fleeing that, you know, in this right. case, that Senator Portman is fleeing Washington because of you know, President Trump or because the Republican Party is in in disarray. And without being inside of his head, you know, we're not going to know exactly for sure. But my point was that we can't look too much into how many uh, senators are retiring and and that tells us what is going to happen in the next elections you know for example in 20 uh, in 2020 uh, Republicans there were more Republican retirements and Republicans obviously uh, lost control of the Senate but the open seats weren't the problem they they Republicans held the open seats that uh, that were that came up it was they lost some incumbents and that was a problem but then in 2018 uh, Republicans had more retirements or more open seats and Republicans gained two seats. And so my, my point is that there's just not a, a, a strong correlation between the number of people that are leaving Congress and what is going to happen on the, you know, the net result uh, in the Senate in the actual elections. I, we'll talk about this more as we move towards 2022. But is there a sense right now as to what the terrain looks like, at least in terms of uh, uh, of how this might break for Democrats, Republicans, not predictions or anything, but just what the terrain looks like overall for Democrats who hold a very razor thin majority in the House. When you have a 50-50 Senate uh, with the vice president breaking ties, uh, we can firmly say that the, the, the battle and the majority in the Senate is going to be on the line in 2022. I'm very uh, confident in that. Uh, we've already identified eight battleground states uh, for each. Uh, Democrats currently hold four of those and Republicans currently hold four of those, mm. and that's where it starts. But we'll see as the as the cycle develops. Um, historically, midterm elections are bad for the president's party. Uh, that when uh, if people are dissatisfied with the job the president is doing, they can't vote against him in a midterm because he's not on the ballot, so they take it out on his party. So uh, by historical measures, Republicans could be in good shape, but that is not a guarantee on, on where we are in 2022. It's possible that people are actually pretty satisfied with where we are because, you know, we're not in the 2020, 2021 pandemic economic crisis that we've moved out of it. And then there's a question about President Trump and and how much does he, is he a part of the conversation? Does he make himself an issue? Because what we found is that when President Trump is on the ballot, Republican candidates have benefited. But when he is a part of the conversation, but not on the ballot, pulling out his full coalition, the Republican candidates have suffered. Very interesting. Hey, by the way, speaking of the Senate races in 2022, well, Marco Rubio's uh, got a race uh, ahead of him. And uh, I don't know, uh, <laughs> I'm going to just say it, Ivanka Trump. I mean, you know, there's talk about her wanting to get into politics at some point. What would that potentially be like? Or, I mean, are, what are you hearing about any of that? 
Well, I'm I'm skeptical that she ends up running. It appears that she's at least taking a look at it. We're not sure how serious she she ultimately is taking a look. But I think we have to remember that no matter if it's Ivanka against Marco Rubio, it is extremely difficult to defeat a United States senator in a primary. Uh, I went back 40 years, and there have been eight senators who have lost a uh, renomination in the last 40 years. That's about a 99.9% uh, renomination re rate for senators. And you might say, well, this is one of those special cases because you know it's Ivanka and Trump and the control of the Republican Party. Uh, but when you really even go down from those eight senators who lost, I would say three or four of them just weren't even paying attention. They, they just were... Uh, they were unaware of the challenge. And, and that's different because Rubio is aware of the potential challenge with Ivanka. And the, the last thing I think that comes to mind with this is that I'm not convinced that President Trump's coalition is transferable to another candidate, even members of his own family. You know, one hmm. of the reasons why Republican yeah. base Republicans like the president is because uh, they like his, you know, his, his uh, no nonsense approach. Right. You know, he tells it like it is. And Ivanka is much more calculating and yeah. careful with what she says. Nathan Gonzalez, great insight. Appreciate it. Editor of Inside Elections. I'll have to get you on about Laura Trump next time down in uh, where? Georgia. North Carolina. North Carolina. <laughs> I'll North get Carolina. it. I'll get it right. All right. Let's do it. All right. Back in a moment. Back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. It's been quite a show. We love this show. We also love giving compliments to ourselves about the show. Uh, you probably know that if you watch us uh, because we're pretty much narcissistic, just the way we like it, right into therapy. Hey, uh, let's, do, uh, let's do this, shall we? The poll of the day. The Water Cooler poll of the day. That guy's getting a royalty on his voice. All right, uh, several governors imposed strict lockdown orders on their states while Donald Trump was president. They began to ease the restrictions when Joe Biden took office. So here's the poll of the day question. Do you believe they changed policies because of new scientific data about the pandemic or because of partisan political reasons? Here you go. 41% say it was new scientific data about the pandemic that made them change. 41% say partisan political reasons. 18% say not sure, not really paying attention. I'd rather be watching Netflix. I don't know really if that's the whole answer, but they just said not sure. Anyhow, there it is, the, I'm going to say it, poll of the day. All right, let's talk about big tech and censorship, shall we? Uh, boy, I tell you what, story after story, day after day, we hear stories day after day. Anyhow, about how big tech is censoring companies left and right. And uh, we want to bring in uh, someone who has experienced that up close and personal. Elizabeth Hang, CEO of the New Internet, uh, is with us. Elizabeth, great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me here today, David. Well, Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about your story. Explain to our viewers what happened to you when it came to big tech censorship. Absolutely. So I recently launched a company called The New Internet. It is a, it's an internet browser that allows users to make 
comments on every single web page without being censored. Shortly after I launched GoFundMe, um, I created one and that focused on First Amendment rights and anti-censorship. And without warning, GoFundMe shuts me down. And I sent, um, I decided that this was, I objected to this war on First Amendment rights. So I sent a press release through PR Newswire and they said that this was too hot of a topic and decided that they were not going to allow me to send it. And once again, we see how tech giants and liberal outlets continue to stifle conservative voices. Wow, that's just, you know, the, the, I, I don't want to use the words the new normal because we don't want this to be normal, but it's, it's affecting everything nowadays. I mean, I can tell you I've had about six, 7,000 followers gone off of Twitter uh, and, and things like that. So, so tell me what happened after you got the, the no-go. Uh, what do you do in a situation like that? Well, I'm going to continue to fight on, right? Because when you think of the old internet, what do you think of? Political censorship, fake news, bullying, privacy issues, tech giants, stifling conservative voices. So we created this new internet and I'm going on media on shows such as yours, um, focusing on how we create a, a place where there's no censorship, no fake profiles, no fake news, privacy solutions, so that we can create an internet experience of what internet was supposed to be, um, an open platform that allows people to share diverse ideas um, across across the world. Yeah, of course, uh, you know, let's let me think for a second. Freedom of speech, pretty important uh, out there for sure. Uh, and the First Amendment has just been uh, just out, out of control. You know, it's interesting because uh, the focus on the family, who is a conservative Christian organization, they just also had that uh, they've been banned or at least suspended from Twitter. Look at this. Twitter locks focus on the family account over hateful comment. The hateful comment was simply pointing out that a transgender uh, nominee from the Biden administration uh, who considers uh, himself a woman, uh, they called, how do I say this? They called him a him instead of what she, I guess they wanted it to be uh, her, him to be called a her. Anyhow, the point is, is that they got locked out of that. So, uh, you know, where is this going exactly, Elizabeth? And it's, it's terrifying. I mean, First Amendment is paramount to a free society. The fact that we can so easily be silenced by tech giants is what's so scary. If it can happen to me just not once or this isn't the first time it's happened to me. When back in 2018, I ran for Congress and I simply was just trying to talk about my family's story of they lived through the genocide in Cambodia, came to the United States as legal refugees. And, and that was a story that Facebook and Twitter locked out and banned me from advertising. Um, and this, so this has happened to me not once or twice, but now four separate times. We have to we have to get this is a war on our constitution and our first amendment rights and we need to continue to make sure that we have new platforms such as the new internet and parlor and everything else that we're working on so that our voices aren't stifled elizabeth why would they ban your story exactly what was going on at the time i'm trying to remember i remember when you ran for congress what, what happened there uh i just simply had an ad campaign that talked about my family story as 
refugees coming to the United States, living through the genocide of millions and millions of people dying in Cambodia. And for whatever reason, um, Facebook and Twitter didn't like that. They said that this was obscene and obnoxious. There is absolutely nothing obscene or obnoxious about um, a human rights violation and uh, having such a great country such as the United States that was willing to take refugees in during a time of crisis the legal way. Wow. Well, we're a big fan, as you might imagine, of freedom of speech here at the Water Cooler. Tell us about, I know you spoke about it at the beginning, tell us more about the new internet, how people can uh, check it out, and uh, what about some of the mechanisms in place to kind of make sure people, I mean, it's one thing to have freedom of speech, it's another thing to, you know, uh, start to, you know, either incite violence or do some crazy stuff, too. I mean, there is, a, there is some sort of uh, issue there as well, I would think. Absolutely. So um, right now you can go to the newinternet.com, download our platform onto your Apple or Android phone um, or desktop computer. And it is an internet browser and it allows you to literally make comments on every single web page. Even right after we get off here, I'm going to go to the water cooler and write a great comment about you, David. Um, I'll, we'll take it. Go ahead. You got 15 more seconds. Tell us more. Um, so if you go on there and you work you're on the platform at thenewinternet.com, we'd love to have you so you can have your First Amendment uh, rights protected to make sure that your voice is always heard. Well, Elizabeth Hang, I just want to say you would have been invited back on the show anyhow, but with the comment and the compliment to the water cooler, please, can we book you every single day? Thank you, Elizabeth. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Elizabeth Hang, really appreciate your time. That's great. Uh, the new internet, uh, and she's doing something different and new, so good for her. All right, when we come back, do you miss, Do why am I doing this? I, I thought I was gonna do poll of the day again. Do you miss Donald Trump? We're gonna read some of your comments when we come back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Time for... The last sip. I love doing that. It feels a bit Ron Burgundy, stay classy, swamp. All right. Uh, yesterday, we talked about, right here on this program, about the Donald Trump and whether or not you miss him and all that type of stuff. And, uh, well, we got a lot of emails, so let's read them, shall we? Uh, here we go. Uh, Laura A. says this. I miss President Trump so much. I love his deep love for our country. I knew that every day he woke up fighting to put every American first, to make them more prosperous and safe, just like a good father. State Farm is there. Oh, no. He put his family first before helping his neighbors. He was family first. That is Laura A. Let's move on. Laura R. Hey. Oh, my gosh. Do I miss President Trump? I know he is busy working on saving us, and he will with God's help. I can't wait until he comes back, and I think it will be soon. And then Peggy says this. Of course we miss him, all caps, three exclamation points. Good grief. He was the lone voice of reason so often, and you just can't beat the dance moves. I think he'll be back. Jay says this. I miss the Donald. He made me feel good, positive, and winning. And then there's Pamela, who says, I really miss listening to him talk. His reassurance, smiling face, his confidence, and connectedness. That's Pamela. And Karen, 
says, missing President Trump. I feel so discouraged. So many of us are missing him. We don't feel safe anymore. Patriotism is declining. We would all just like to hear from him. And then Colleen says, I miss him. Best president ever. Well, she, I don't know if she said it like that. Misses transparency, his openness, his sense of humor, his fighting spirit, and his beautiful smile. And GB Pack, yo, GB Pack, what up? David, I miss him every day. I miss his straight talk with no BS. I can't wait till 2024 for the resurrection. Huh? Oh, uh, sorry, the resurrection of Donald J. Trump. And then Jerry says, we miss Donald J. Trump. He was the greatest president in my lifetime. No president in history did so much with so much adversity. Sincerely, Jerry McGuire. No, that's not Jerry Maguire. It's just Jerry. I don't know if he has a last name. It's kind of like Oprah. Anyhow, send us your comments about anything in the world. You got story ideas. You got anything you want us to do here on The Water Cooler. Send it to thewatercooler at justthenews.com. We're going to put it there. There it is. Look at that. The water. The wa- I said the water. So for people in the New York and uh, New Jersey area, the water cooler, if you're in Long Island, the water cooler at justthenews.com. And by the way, if you like the show, Let me just tell you, if you like the show, send us an email. We're narcissistic. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. It's the end of the show. Guess who's back? That's right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clap. Wow. Sophie Mann, welcome. Uh, thank you. Not a standing ovation, though? No. Okay. No, Maybe no. next time. I'm literally tethered. Anchors come with the desk. <laughs> okay, We're tethered. True. No, I understand. Hey, uh, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, you have a nice vacation? Uh, you know, I was working. You were working? I was working, all but right, just fine. in a slightly sunnier location. Okay, well, we'll leave it at that. Yes. Um, <laughs> all right, talk to us. So what, what do you got going? Because there's a lot going on in Washington. There's a lot going on in Washington. So the Biden administration is continuing its march out of these executive orders sort of in mass. Mm-hmm. Today is Immigration Day. Yeah, immigration um, Day. Immigration Day, right. We had health care last week and the like. But yeah. um, so today's Immigration Day. Mm-hmm. So the word that we keep seeing used by the Biden team is uh, modernizing, the modernization mm-hmm. of the immigration system. Um, which, you know, these past four years under the Trump administration has been called all sorts of things, Mm -hmm. you know, antiquated, vile, inhumane, family separation has been really emphatically touched upon. So the Biden administration is now trying to issue all of these orders to um, basically overturn every last detail of the Trump administration's um, immigration plan. And what that means at the U.S. border is that as opposed to now, southern border, that Mm -hmm. is to say, um, when, you know, illegal immigrants are caught crossing, as opposed to the one-strike policy Mm -hmm. that was instituted under Trump's administration, it's going to be viewed more on a case-by-case basis. I mean, of course, that we understand that -hmm. the problem with that is when you get into these, you know, court orders to show up, very few people end up doing so. Right. Um, And what that will ultimately end up preventing is a certain amount of family separation, but, like, 
as with any issue, this is this is not binary, and you know it's not a this or that. So mm -hmm. uh, the Biden administration is going forward with um, mm -hmm. you know what they feel is correct, and I, we we don't have a terrible amount of details about the uh, orders right now, but mm -hmm. they will be more clearly explained as the day goes on. Jen Psaki uh, is briefing the press corps right now about it, so I'm mm -hmm. sure that we will understand them. Um, in mm -hmm. just a bit. Uh, beyond that, we are still waiting on COVID leg legislation. Um, mm -hmm. At present, uh, the president is meeting with the Democratic Leadership Caucus. Um, yeah. He met with the, you know, the 10 Republicans last night, and mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll be hearing from Chuck Schumer very shortly um, about sort of what the plan going forward is. All right. Sophie Mann, great to see you. Good to see you. Uh, chock full of information from Sophie Mann. On the show tomorrow, by the way, uh, Steve Moore, not Dudley Moore, I mean, if Dudley Moore has passed away, so that would be a good scoop if we got him. But Steve Moore is tomorrow. Uh, he's a former Trump economic advisor. Liz Harrington back on the show. And the former uh, GOP national spokeswoman as well. So we've got a great show. I mean, that's also who Liz Harrington is. It's not like two separate people. All right, see you tomorrow.